we have Dr. Katrina uh, Rosenblatt with us today. And to begin with, could you please give us a quick introduction of yourself? Hi, Diva. I am Dr. Katerina Rosenblatt, as you mentioned, and I am a survivor of sex trafficking. I have also written two books, Trafficking in America and Stolen. I'm the founder of a survivor to survivor nonprofit called There's Hope for Me, and I'm happy to be here with you. So our first uh, question is, from being a victim of multiple emotional and physical hardships, you went on to be the founder of an NGO, an author, a consultant, and hold a PhD and an LLM degree. Did you ever imagine that you'd end up where you are today? I mean, I always, you know, like many young women, I had dreams. I wanted to be both a doctor and a lawyer. And so I'm living proof that you can achieve all of your dreams if you put your mind to it. You don't have to be just one. You know, I got an LLM, which is a law degree. And I went back to school to be an attorney to law school. I got my PhD. Um, I'm still working on finishing the, the law school degree um, to be an actual attorney, but I got the advanced degree before I got the JD, yeah. which means the LLM. <laughs> I'm grateful, but, um, you know, I just think we should never stop learning. That's great. Like you said, that it was quite a journey. There must have been a steady or sudden change in your perspective and attitude. Can you talk about that moment where you just said that I want to go study and I want to go achieve my dreams? Absolutely. Actually, I do remember it was at uh, the police station when I went to report the last uh, sex trafficking experience I had when I was 17. If you have read my book, Stolen, the True Story of a Sex Trafficking Survivor, you read that part. Um, there was a turning point when the police officer looked at me and called me a juvenile delinquent and he wouldn't take my statement. And my mom was with me and she walked outside. Uh, it was the only time I told my mom about any of the trafficking, you know, until later, of course. But um, she looked at me and she said, you know, uh, you don't have to be what those people are trying to make you and what they're saying you are or have been. And I remember thinking, Wow, she's right. And there, a bus went by with a school's um, logo, college logo. And at that moment, I thought, I'm going to do this. If I want to survive in this world, I have to become different. I have to change my mindset and really become part of the system that succeeds rather than this system that I had been in, which was destructive. So just to follow up to that, like you uh, told us about your experience with that officer. During uh, your years when you were studying, uh, have you ever faced any discrimination or stigma due to your past? You have no idea how timely that question is. First, let me say, I have experienced so much bullying in the anti-trafficking movement because I'm a US citizen, because I look the way I look, white, blonde hair. I'm not supposed to be a victim of human trafficking, according to some people's standards. Uh, that was the first hurdle. Yesterday, I gave a training to law enforcement. These were not seasoned law enforcement. These were law enforcement who were brand new to the issue of human trafficking. 
I had had uh, another experience, which I didn't write about, and I shared it with them about labor trafficking. Again, I was met with disbelief that this is not supposed to happen to people like me. I was not um, trying to get a job when I got recruited for labor trafficking for a vacation rental through Airbnb. And it was terrible how that happened. And I got bruised, I experienced injuries and they could not believe it. So I was kind of stigmatized because of that. Now, another area where I've been um, marginalized is where people assume that human trafficking survivors means prostitutes. I don't agree with that term whatsoever. And I brought it up yesterday to the panel and they even started changing their dialect because I said, I'm not willingly involved in this. So please don't call me that. Please don't assume that a child who cannot even consent to having sex at 14 is willingly prostituting herself. Her frontal lobe is not fully developed until she's 24 or 25. So I think, yes, I, I have experienced those um, definitely um, discriminations because I'm a woman, because I'm white, because I'm blonde, because I shouldn't be a victim in some people's eyes. Thank you for sharing that experience. So another follow-up, how do you deal with these kind of stuff? I'm sure you just go through it daily. There's some, there's still some people who think these. Yeah, actually, um, I think having interviews with people like you is helpful because this really did bother me yesterday. Um, the way I dealt with it yesterday is I went and treated myself to a delicious dinner. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I really talked to a friend and processed the issue, you know, who's also a counselor. And I spoke with other people who are experts in the field. So that helped me to realize the shame that I was carrying was not my shame. It was some of these people, one, for not knowing the difference, two, for not being more educated on the topic. I think they were embarrassed that they didn't know half of the things they should have because they're in law enforcement. And that is embarrassing. All night last night, I was, you know, beating myself up until I came to realize, and even now as we're talking, I am realizing even more that it is not my shame. You know, people react differently when they hear trauma like this and they realize, oh my gosh, this has been going on this whole time and I never knew. And it's like, yeah, and you wear a badge. And how many people have you maybe abused or exploited or looked the other way and uh, judged, misjudged? So I was there to shed a light on it. And having that calling of shedding a light on it sometimes exposes me to um, uncomfortable feelings and uncomfortable things, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. I'm just going to be careful how I allow it to affect me. Moving on, while you were at law school, many say that law school is highly exhausting. Did you have a similar experience? Yes, I, it was the hardest thing 
uh, education-wise that I ever went through. And I tell you this, Diva, I went through LLM, which is a, a higher degree than law school. Law school was harder. Uh, at the LLM, I had people from India. I had people from you know Pakistan, from Nigeria that were lawyers in their country. So everybody was treated with a very high level of respect. However, as a JD, as a first year law student, you are treated with no respect. <laughs> no respect as a 1L. There's just, it doesn't exist. So I had a lot of difficulty with the professors yelling at me. I had a lot of difficulty with the expectations. I was not used to professors being so terrible. You know, I had done my PhD, my LLM, my bachelor's degree in environments that were safe. <laughs> Law school is not safe. <laughs> if you have trauma, law school is not the place to be unless you're ready to put on some thick skin or grow some thick skin. And that is exactly what I had to do to overcome it. But I do not regret, not regret one bit of it. It's like when you have a baby, you're in so much pain, but then, you know, like your mother contacting me, but look at you, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're magnificent. Okay. So then you forget about the pain. <laughs> Very hard to believe with the work you're doing that you've got like no respect. They don't care. The professors are king and they want everybody to treat them like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but um, you know, I'm I'm still going and and uh, still pushing on. I am changing schools <laughs> because I feel like the bar passage rate on that school is not so good. So maybe their method <laughs> of talking to students down to them it really doesn't work. So. Uh, well, I'll keep you posted how this goes. What skills do you think are crucial for any aspiring law student? Analytical skills, being able to analyze things from both perspectives. And this is good for life, but I think that's one of the most important things that I've taken away from my law school experience is that you have to look at both sides. You cannot just focus on one side, your client side or your personal side and what you're trying to accomplish. You have to look at the other side. And when you're able and willing to, then you can see the whole picture. Next, um, what is something that school did not teach you, but you use daily? <laughs> uh, I could tell you something. School did teach me that I never used, and that's algebra. But, <laughs> but I think what something that school did not teach me that I use daily is intuition. Intuition, trusting your intuition, trusting your instincts, trusting your instincts, and also faith in God. That is something that, I mean, some schools of faith that I have attended, they do embrace that, but I think it's a personal relationship through Jesus Christ that has helped maintain this strong faith for me. And that has gotten me out of all the trafficking situations. So no schooling can teach you that. Only God can. Definitely. So do you think that having a mentor is essential for young women in this generation? Oh, definitely. Definitely, Diva. Even in my training yesterday, I mentioned my mentor, uh, Rosa Patty. 
She's on the Pontifical Council for the Vatican to Rome on the issue of human trafficking. But when I met her, I didn't know who she was. I just was directed to go to her office to find out about the law school program. She was amazing. And she helped identify me to understand that I had been a victim of human trafficking. That was very eye-opening, but she did it in such a loving way. And she's always been very supportive of my books. Every time I write a new book, she'll have me come and speak at the law school. Um, every time, you know, when I started my nonprofit, my, my foundation, everything, she's very, it, it, it's just very important that you have the right mentors because they can open doors for you. And, you know, she recently was, um, you know, that nobody else can open because they believe in you and you're connected to them. So it's mutual. So she recently had to write something. She was renominated to the Vatican Council. And she mentioned me in this uh, article that is now on the St. Thomas Law School website. And that was such a tremendous honor for me, you know, that she said she was my mentor. And I said, look how many girls we have saved out of human trafficking together. But it's very important to share the, the glory, the results with your mentor because they were so integral in, in helping you develop and shape your mind. So it's very important to go back and thank them and show respect and just maintain. I, I even left her a voicemail today, you know, um, just maintaining the relationships. It's, it's a wonderful thing. If it's a um, true mentor that's supposed to be in your life, it's not going to be difficult. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, she, she sounds amazing. I hope I can find yeah. her. Uh, just to have a clear idea of your field of work, can you describe a typical day in your life? I'm sorry to say, I don't have typical days. <laughs> that does not exist for me, but I wish everyone well who has a typical day. <laughs> um, I would love to have a typical day. I would love to be normal, but that's not in the cards for me. Okay, so for example, yesterday was... Uh, a training to law enforcement. It was, you know, uh, going to dinner, you know, by myself, speaking with my therapist friend, processing the day, uh, coming home and then getting a phone call from a parent that her daughter had been trafficked and then staying up until late at night, talking with the survivor, working with her. Yesterday was her first day out of trafficking and helping her understand her self-worth and who she is in Christ, helping her realize that there's a whole community of people that love her and support her and that we're here for her. And she doesn't have to go through this alone. Um, and I'm gonna go to court with her tomorrow to, um, to be part of that process. But um, that's just one day, you know? So every day is just a new challenge, honestly. Yeah, your job, it seems like you, it requires you to be versatile, which is great. Next, um, what do you think of when times get tough that constantly pushes you to move forward? Well, I've mentioned my faith in Jesus, and I hope you don't mind, um, because mm -hmm. I do feel it, it is a very strong uh, motivating factor for me, mm -hmm. you know, Thank you. Yeah, I, I respect people, you know, where they're at, but 
But I will say for me, I had to see God in real life. Um, you know, like you read in my book, because in order for me to really believe, I had to really see. And when I really saw that he cared about me and was protecting me, I just knew that I can get through anything. Great. And that's how I feel right now. Great. Uh, what is it that you are currently working on? I mean, you said that you don't have typical days and you're doing lots of stuff, but one thing if you can speak about. Okay, I'm working on my third book. Oh, it's so, great. I look forward to reading that. Thank you. Well, so this one is going to be an interdisciplinary approach to uh, working with survivors of human trafficking. And it is going to be to first responders, law enforcement, mental health, uh, teachers, you know, professors, anybody who may come into contact with a minor or adult victim of human trafficking. And so I'm gathering a whole team of experts together uh, from the Department of Justice, you know, law enforcement side to uh, people who have um, been, been doing extensive work in trauma-informed therapy to sexperts who are therapists that work in being a sex therapist and uh, social workers. And then of course myself, I'm gonna write the majority of the book. And um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to do that. So that is what is on the horizon. <laughs> so what can an average person do to find out more about this course? What's the best way that we can help? I would say if you are in the US, you know, get plugged in with a human trafficking survivor-led organization like ours, there's hopeforme.org. People are welcome to go to our website and under the interviews and resources tab, you'll find information way at the bottom and some interviews. Um, but you can contact the Department of Health and Human Services, get plugged into a task force um, in your local state or area. If you're international, I would encourage you to contact, you know, the police department or the organizations that are doing work in your area. But really the way to tell who is really doing good work is if a survivor leader is a part of it. Because as survivors, we will not be a part of something that is bad or wrong or taking advantage of survivors. That's been my experience that we just will not put our stamp or even our foot. We won't be there because we won't feel comfortable. Thank you. Yep. Um, lastly, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to give all aspiring attorneys and activists? Go after your dreams. Don't let anything stop you. And no matter what hurdles you face, and you will face some hurdles, you know, all the exams in law school are hurdles, but don't give up. Prepare, over-prepare, over-study, over-practice, and be the best that you can be because remember, you're doing it not just for yourself, but for the future, for those yet to come, for other survivors. If you're looking to get into anti-trafficking, you're doing it for them. You're doing it to save lives. So remember that every time it gets difficult, it's not just about you you're doing this for someone else. And a lot of times that will help 
motivate you over the hurdle. Thank you. And that concludes our interview. The link to Dr. Katrina's book, Stolen, and their website will be in the bio.